0: Good evening. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing the chorus. Praise the name of Jesus. And then my heart is filled with thankfulness. Praise the name of Jesus.
1: service. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Andre, would you lead us in prayer? Sure. Dear God, we thank you so much for this evening, Lord, that we can come here, Lord, and we pray that you would be with all that goes on here, Lord, that we pray in honor and glory
0: to you. and Lord, we just, uh, again, thank you for the many ways that you've blessed
1: us here as a church. And Lord, uh, just ask for your blessing on the night, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Please be seated. Well, let's continue in singing one of our Christmas carols, Away in a Manger. satisfied, and then Jesus draw me ever nearer, and you may remain seated. soul so long as pray. Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his blood I now am saved. Jesus draw me ever nearer as I labor. Your likeness, let me wait. Jesus, guide me through the tempest. Keep my spirit steady and sure. Your likeness
1: let me wait. amen thank you Sandra Joe and John I'd like you to turn with me if your Bibles in your Bibles to the book of Luke please and I'm just gonna take you on a quick perusal through the verses about going up to Jerusalem. And that's what we're going to do tonight. I told you this morning that uh, we took, while I was there in Jerusalem, or in Israel, I did a bunch of very short little video clips and kind of talked uh, and explained where we were in each one of them. And I did it very low tone because there's people all around you. There's a guide who's trying to talk. Yeah, I'm not trying to compete with him, but I wanted to go ahead and create something that uh, we could just share with the church. And so when we got back, Brother John, he took those, he stitched them all together so that they're a little video journey with John and I going to Jerusalem. Um, You're going to be able to see John ride a camel, all kinds of stuff in there uh, in just a few minutes. But I want you to see in Luke chapter 2, verse 42, and we're going to look at Luke 9, 51, and Luke 18, 31, and Luke nineteen twenty-eight. Each one of these verses talks about going up to Jerusalem. And there's a reason for that, and that is because for the Jewish people in the nation of Israel, Jerusalem is always up. It doesn't matter if you're in the south going north or you're in the north going south, east going west or west going east. No matter where you're going, you're going up if you're going to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, for you and I, it's a little hard for us to understand, but they recognize it as being a city encircled by mountains. Now, when you're there looking at what they call mountains, they're really... um, not exactly adirondack sized mountains although some of them are israel has its own ski area Uh, and you can you can go down and enjoy the the warm weather at the dead sea which is below sea level and in the same day in the winter drive up and go skiing at the top of the mountain where they have a commercial ski area so it does it does have high mountains uh, but In contrast to the way we perceive and understand mountains, many of what they call mountains, we would really refer to as maybe a large hill or a very small mountain. Um, Maybe on the scope of Snake Mountain, right out there by where Terry lives. Uh, Lots of them are kind of on that scale. But when we look at going up to Jerusalem, we see that that starts from a very early age. Look with me in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 42. And here you find, at 12 years old, it says, And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And it goes on to talk to us about Christ's teaching at the temple. So not only was he as a babe, brought up to Jerusalem to go ahead and do the ritual circumcision that would be done for a Jewish child. But at 12 years old, we see him go up to Jerusalem. Look with me over at Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Luke 9, 51. One more page for me. And it says... And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And so Jesus was often in his ministry. When you read about his journeys, his ministry of traveling and preaching and teaching, he was often looking and striving towards going back. Up to Jerusalem. Look with me, if you would, over to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. We're going to look at verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Pretty plain spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ as he was teaching his apostles, saying we're going up to Jerusalem. And all that was prophesied is going to transpire there as he was headed up to sacrifice his life. For you and I in our sins. Look with me, if you would, at Luke chapter 19, verse 28, as we come down, it says And when he had thus spoken, he went up before, ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphaga and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, in the which you're entering in you sh- shall find a colt tied. Whereon ye never a man sat, loose him and bring him hither. And of course, we know the rest of the account, uh, that it was the very entering in to Jerusalem as he was going up to Jerusalem, getting ready to be sacrificed. And then, of course, after that, we find that he spends time in and around Jerusalem, buried, crucified, buried, rose again, revealed unto 500 or more, and then we find the ascension. And John and I, this week, while we were there in Israel, we saw many of those sites, and they pointed out, and I'm going to show you the mountain that they believe Christ ascended up from. Um, And so as we go this evening, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. We're going to cover around Israel, but we're going to go up to Jerusalem. And for many of us, Jerusalem is not going to be anything like what you imagine Jerusalem to look like. It is a thoroughly modern city today. Uh, I, I do in this a large picture of Bethlehem. And for you and I, when we talk about Bethlehem in the Bible, it's a village. But when you look at Bethlehem today, It's a city. Uh, The sad thing is most Christians have left Bethlehem. Uh, Persecution, economics, they've left. But there's still a contingency of Christians in Bethlehem. But we're ready to go ahead and to do this video. I hope you enjoy it. It's certainly not a professionally put together thing. It's really just your pastor and youth director going to Israel you're going? Getting on the plane to Turkey. We're at the Turkish Air. Uh, we are on the Tell of Megiddo. And this is all part of the Valley of Armageddon, which is about 180 miles long, the length of Israel we are at solomon's stables and look at the dates on that palm tree this is sunrise at the sea of galilee We are floating on the Sea Galilee. This is the synagogue in the village of Magdala, where Mary Magdalene grew up and lived. Jesus would have passed through Magdala to come down to Galilee. so a sure absolutely sure thing that jesus would have come to this synagogue when he was a young man this is the hillside on the sea of galilee that it is believed that jesus christ gave the sermon upon the mount the beatitudes right here along this edge These are fishermen on the Sea of Galilee at the town of Capernaum. This is where Peter would have been fishing when Christ called him to be an apostle. This is the house of Peter in Capernaum. We find in the scriptures that Jesus went to the house of Peter. These are the archeological ruins of Capernaum, where Christ came, walked, ministered. These are the headwaters of the Jordan River, right at the base of Dan. These are the original ruins of Dan, the city gates coming in, retaining walls. These are ruins found at the house in Cana, where the Lord turned water into wine. This is the village of Cana. We are looking at the Jezreel Valley. This is actually part of what will be the Battle of Armageddon as well. It just shows you how massive it is. It is believed that that is the Mount of Christ's transfiguration. We're looking at the village of Nazareth. Of course, this is nothing like when Jesus walked upon the earth. It is now, they say, as many as 300,000 people. This is believed to be Gideon's spring, where he brought his men and tested them determined who was going to go to war and who was going to stay with the stuff. Here's John drinking from Gideon Spring, just like Gideon soldiers. This is the Jordan Valley. We can see a Roman city by the name and in the midst of it is a theater with 8,000 cities. We have seen it. This is the ancient city of Shiloh, or probably more a village, where the original tabernacle was built, talked about in the Old Testament. In Shiloh, we're looking at an ancient olive oil press that was excavated out by the archaeologists. This is believed to be the main gate coming into the ancient city of Shiloh. They're still excavating here. That's why you see these this metal swing set looking thing. That's where they sift dirt. We are on the Mount of Olives looking over Jerusalem. And there, coming up to your right, is the Temple Mount. There's the Golden Dome that the Muslims have put on the Temple Mount, and you scan across. You're looking at the city of Jerusalem. And then, of course, the big, big, big wall you see, that's the, that's the wall that encir- encircles the old city, Jerusalem. This is the entrance that was reduced so that people could not ride horses into the church. This is inside the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. Only one part of the many, many ornate areas. These are 12th century mosaics. In the Church of Nativity, when they were put in during the Crusades, they had gold, silver, and bits of diamonds added to them. This is the Greek Orthodox part of the Church of the Nativity. This is the Catholic side of the Church of the Nativity. Here is an amazing carved door leading into the Franciscan monastery at the church here in Bethlehem. This is Manger Square where every year they light that great big Christmas tree. It's broadcast around the world, actually. They're just putting the Christmas tree up now. (coughs) We're in Bethlehem and we're looking across back here to Boaz Field, where Ruth found the Kinsman Redeemer. houses are built, everything is building up throughout Israel, Bethlehem, all of those places. This is where the carving of manger scenes, crosses, all from olive wood here in Bethlehem, carved by master carvers okay ready 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 sure one two three bon appetit yeah. In Bethlehem, this is how they flip the chicken and rice. Do you see just pushed me out? Okay. Aggravation is love I I you and my wife. a lot of There is a shepherd with a sheep in Bethlehem, the skyscape of the city of Jerusalem. This is believed to be the place of the skull, the where the cross sat upon it. There's been quite a bit of destruction through the years. But this is this is where they believe it is. In the garden. We they discovered this wine press. The archaeologists went ahead and cleared it all out. They've gone ahead and repaired it. But it's here in the garden tomb. this is believed to be the garden tomb. Folks are going in and they're looking inside with the group that I'm with. Those are ossuaries sitting on that shelf. That's where they would put the bones after a person's body decayed after about a year. Was the responsibility of the family. To take those bones, clean them, put them in the ossuary after they'd sat in the tomb. I serve
0: a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see End of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer and
1: Jesus Christ, the Alpha and Omega. We're below sea level and looking out across so of the village America. America. of
0: Jericho. <laughs> This is
1: John Kaufman riding a camel at the Dead Sea. He's got the look, he's got the absolutely, he's got the form. He could be a camel jockey, no doubt about it. I think he's got it down pat.
0: 4 number 5 8 3 8
1: We are at the place of the Essenes where they were scribes. They lived a very um, isolated life. This is where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls up in these mountains right here. Several of these caves where the Dead Sea Scrolls came from. It's believed that these people are the folks who did all that recording and preserving some people speculate that john the baptist lived here for a time because these people practice such ritual baptism this cave is the cave where the largest amount of fragments of the dead sea scrolls were found back in the 1940s This is Qumran, the place of the Essenes. These scribes, these almost like monks, these people who lived. They had a date business that they believed they made a syrup from and sold, but most famous for the Dead Sea Scrolls found right up in these hills and these mountains in the caves. When David's men were hiding in Gedi, Saul's men came to hunt them down. And it tells us that David's men were hiding in the caves. And of course, we know that Saul went in to one of the caves. And there, while he rested, David cut a part of his garment off. And when he came back out, he showed him and shamed Saul. And Saul ended his hunt for that time for David. That's the tram that we rode up to come up to the top of Masada. They pack in like sardines, but it's amazing. masala This is one of the best locations that you can have for Masala when you look from a, when you look from here, Kenny, come right over here. Come over here, take a look here. Taking a look right can you take Masala from here? Can anybody come home? Right? Uh, Starting this morning old city of David looking out at the Mount of Olives that is part of the old original temple this is a four-room house of the time of David the archaeological the structure everything about it the evidence that they have found here all indicates that this is part of the time when david was here this area is where they're excavating underneath these buildings and they're looking at the ancient place of worship where the tabernacle was during the time of king david and there you can see the potsherds that the archaeologists are bringing out they sift through them. Today is today it's we're not allowed to go down in there, but they're hoping to open it up. We are well underground. This is the spring or sp- it's the water system of home We're way underground. This is a replica of an old crane system that they used for picking boulders up. This is the shallow pool. This is where the priests would come down gather a vessel of water and bring it up. It says the pouring out of the water took place. He, the priest, would fill a golden flask holding three logs, liquid measure, with water from Shiloh. An example of an a market that would have been hewn out at the time. The ancient walls, the ancient walkways. They've determined that this was a market. They've gone ahead and set it up to appear like a market today. This is believed believed to be the tomb of David in the city of Jerusalem. Jewish people come here to pray and to worship, to reflect. This is considered to be the upper room. People from all around the world come and look at this and remember this as the upper room. I believe our group is getting ready to sing because the acoustics are just incredible. That's our group together right there. This is an underground cistern down below Jerusalem, part of the ancient water system for Jerusalem, that wall right there, if removed behind it, you'd go ahead to the western wall. And if you remove that wall, Menachem, the guide, said water would come in here and fill this. This is the keys game. This is what the Roman soldiers played while they waited for their prisoners to be brought. To be executed. It was a Roman soldier's game. This is the eastern gate to the old city of Jerusalem. This is where the Lord Jesus Christ, in his second coming, will enter Jerusalem. Now, when I turn around, We come around and at the second coming here we see the mount of olives and the scriptures teach us that christ will come back the mount of olives will part and he will enter into the eastern gate all those all those graves that you see down there those are all jewish graves but then when you come up close here this is the Muslim area the Muslims started burying their dead at the eastern gate the eastern wall to Jerusalem when they took possession of this area 2,000 year old tombs I'm thinking that like This is our last stop in Jerusalem. Getting ready to head to Tel Aviv to go to the airport. But we're outside the ancient city of Jerusalem. These are all excavated ruins, buildings preserved. Here's the little thing to read about. But it is the, the Holy Land. This is the Elah Valley where David came and challenged Goliath. So on one side of the valley was the army of Israel and when you come across here they say the Philistines were on this side here. And so David, as a young man, he came down and he called the challenge out to Goliath. And this is where he gathered the stones down inside. There's a little river that runs along here called, right now it's a wadi, it's a dried up river right here. Gathered up stones Used this sling and slayed Goliath. As I return from Israel, pulling in my driveway, this is my sunset across the valley. Welcome me back to Vermont. We made. Um, Some of the things about going to Israel are so baffling because you look at the landscape and it is so rocky and so arid. And you might say to yourself, Well, it's winter there, which it is. Um, But I've been there in the spring too, and it's a little greener, but it's not a lot greener. Um, You see cattle and you see sheep, and you wonder, wow, man. I'd be, I'd be getting bales of hay because it's not much there. Um, I was reading today in a commentary about uh, Israel and the state it's in today compared to the time of David and those, that era. And it, it was just talking about the devastation that all the centuries of war and the taking and plundering of everything there... You know, we, when we read in our Bibles in the Old Testament about a land of milk and honey, a land with lions, you know, a land that had abundance of fruit and crops, that land has been ravaged. Um, but the nation of Israel is bringing it back. It's amazing. There's forests that they have hand planted. So they would have school days where every child in school, they had got the day off, they would bring them in buses, and every child would plant a tree. And there's entire forests now planted by Israeli children because they're bringing back what God had given them as their promised land. Amen. So anybody have any questions? Maybe you saw something and you thought some question popped in your mind. Uh, Either John or I can try to answer it. What was the
0: sea John was swimming in? Was that the Dead Sea? That was the Dead Sea. Okay. He wasn't swimming, just floating.
1: Floating, <laughs> yeah. The The yeah. Dead Sea, you can't get it in your eyes. You know, it will burn. It was really, really highly toxic, too, if you open your eyes under the water. And you notice that John kept his head up because he didn't want to get the Dead Sea in his product. <laughs> So he's very, very careful Careful as he floated out there. Um, somebody asked me, well, didn't you float? I've done it before. And uh, I have actually, I've actually tried to go under and swim under in the dead sea, so you can't get under. You can't get underneath there, uh, it's just so buoyant. Um, anybody else question something you saw that you just triggered a question in your mind? You yes. Did you John? I did baptize John. Why was that not in there, John? Uh, we I thought we did put it uh, in. No. That
0: was from Brother Eric.
1: Eric took that video. Oh, that's great. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did baptize John. Wow. Well, I had the most I've every time I've gone I've baptized people. The last time I went on one of these pastors' fam trips, nobody else would baptize because it was too cold. And they, they asked, they said, well, is there anybody who will? And I thought, it's not that cold. Come on. Uh, and so I baptized. I was the only one who baptized. But this time, there were a multitude of people. It was pretty warm. Uh, and for me, the craziest thing happened. John and I, we got down there. We're in the water getting ready to baptize. And comes this woman. She's, you know, they, they you pay when you get to this site. Uh, I think it's $15 and uh, so they give you a towel and a white robe and um, that's, it. that's it for your 15 bucks and you have an access to go down and baptize that. So this woman came with her group and of course it's a white robe and she's, she decided that day to wear black underwear. So she, she goes down in there she's Jumping and frolicking, right in front of John and I here. We're waiting to baptize so they can video us jumping, frolicking, her robes going up. She's pulling her underwear up. She's it's like nobody's there. There's a hundred people there. She's oblivious to all these people. That was different. Never had that happen before. No. Oh no, she was at least fifty years old, in her fifties. Yeah, I think anyways, John. Don't I you? Thought she was more like 60s. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? You might have had a question. You saw something and you thought to yourself, "Hmm." Some question popped in your mind. Yes. So when you were talking about the relatives taking care of the bones and sitting there for a year, what was that? Area, and why was the tradition to do that? It was the Jewish tradition that the men in the family actually the sons of the family after the body sat in a tomb for a year the flesh would decay and then their job was to go in and clean the flesh off, clean the bones. The bones would then be put into an ossuary which is a stone box and it would be put in the tomb. Then the next relative who died could be laid out because the tombs are not that large. So they would stack the ossuaries. but the bodies each time could be naturally decayed, scraped, and put in an ossuary. It was their tradition. So there was enough room for multiple deaths over that year? Then. Depends how big your tomb is. And tombs were for the wealthy. I mean, your average person wasn't going ahead and having a tomb hewed. Uh, And that's why when you read in the scriptures, Jesus had a borrowed tomb. And that tomb that we showed you, there there are many people who believe that that is the actual tomb that Jesus Christ used. Now, obviously, uh, I have a pastor friend who did one of these tours and he came back. He was so disappointed. Because every place you go, they make it clear that they think this is the place. Do you know why they don't say, this is the place? Because none of us were there. You know, but the evidence is, it looks like it, but you, you can't say it is unless you know it is. And the tomb, they don't know that it is, but they do think it is, the very tomb that Jesus Christ was laid in.
0: And did you preach?
1: I preached in a couple places. John preached while we were there. Yeah. I know you were supposed to preach that first day. I preached twice that first day, yep. Wow. Uh, preached uh, for the Valley of Megiddo when you saw the, and and I, I mentioned the Battle of Armageddon in several places because the Valley of Megiddo is 180 miles long. It's a part of all of Jerusalem and meanders up, and each valley has its own name. But when you read the scriptures, there will be so many soldiers uh, that the scriptures are talking about that are going to come from the east and the west and the north, and they're going to come down and converge into the valley, that when it talks about the blood coming to the bridles of a horse, I was reading an article because it references that time as God's wrath, even as a wine press. And one of the interesting things about it is when you press and burst grapes, if you were to do it one at a time, it would just dribble off. But if you take a mass and you burst them, they become a flooding flow. And that is what commentators, theologians believe is That's what that text is talking about is the valley of Megiddo will be so full of soldiers that when God speaks and he slays them at that day of battle, God's wrath poured forth that it will be an instant bursting that will make it flow to the heights of a horse's bridle. Pretty amazing thing when you look at it, think about it, and you look at the vastness of the valleys that make the Megiddo Valley, the whole thing. Anybody else? Were the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, were they found accidentally or were they doing the days and found them? The Dead Sea Scrolls? uh, shepherds in the 1940s, a young man was running his sheep along. And when you look at the pictures, if you ever open a book and you look at the pictures of the hillsides and the mountains, you'll see little lines on the hillsides and the mountains. And those are centuries and centuries and centuries of sheep, donkeys, goats, whatever that have walked the same little edges through, throughout time. And so this shepherd, his sheep were walking those cliffs and those edges and he lost the sheep. So he was throwing rocks up into the caves trying to find a lost sheep. And when he threw a rock up in there, he heard something break and he thought, wow. So he threw something else and he heard the clink of hitting pottery. So he climbed up in there and that shepherd, Palestinian shepherd, uh, he found he found the Dead Sea Scrolls. They sold them. And then the nation of Israel is still working to find and buy back all the fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were illegally sold Um, because they're compiling them. They're putting them together. Anybody else? Great questions, John. Uh, Is it true that Dead Sea is actually shrinking? Very true. Yes, because the Dead Sea is fed by the Jordan River, and the Jordan comes out of the Sea of Galilee, and as it comes down, agriculture pumps water out to irrigate, the cities pump water out to go ahead and create city water. Although now the nation of Israel has built the world's largest desalination plant which takes salt water and turns it to fresh water. So they've reduced how much they're pulling out of the Jordan, but they've pulled so much out. Plus, the Dead Sea is full of nutrients. Not nutrients to live by, but to build fertilizer by. And so both on the Jordan side of the Dead Sea and the Israel side are large factories that take out of the Dead Sea all the minerals and all the things to create products. In fact, women's cosmetics, a lot of cosmetics and creams made from the Dead Sea. So yes, the Dead Sea is reducing and reducing dramatically. Uh, They are hoping to either create some kind of a canal to the Mediterranean to help feed the Dead Sea, to keep it full, but they're, it's all talk right now. They're not building anything to make it happen. Didn't I thought Menachem said too that it's reducing 10 feet every year. Yeah, 10 feet every year. That's a lot. Where did the River Jordan pull from? I showed you that that little rushing uh, stream up in the mountains. They took us all the way up there to a place called Dan. And in Dan, when you're there, there's springs coming right out of the rock ledges, the rock mountains. And they come and they gather that little headwater. And that headwater goes down into the Sea of Galilee. And then it goes from there down into the River Jordan. Anybody else? Question? So when you say when you went up to those mountains where Dan was, is that where the tribe of Dan was? Like one of the 12 tribes of Israel? Those Don't guys? know that. Don't know if the tribe of Jan- Dan received that. Exactly. Um, Dan is the name of the place. Okay. Um, and Dan predates the Israelites. It goes all the way back to ancient pagan worship way oh, wow. before the Israelites. Okay. Anybody else? And actually, I thought I had a, I don't know, I thought I had a little video clip of when we were in Dan and they were showing the the ruins of Dan, but I don't yeah. know. It was in there. It was in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, anybody else? Kind of a simple journey put together by your pastor and youth director. Uh, we're so grateful that John's been with us for 15 years. That's why the church did that, sent him. As I mentioned several times, a friend of mine paid for my trip. Um, and it was. it's great, it's great. I encourage you, if you ever get an opportunity to go, go. Um, I just, in fact, while I was there, the, the pastor who organized this one gave me a flyer. Uh, trying to get me to go to what they call the 2.0 trip, um, which I'm not going to go on. Uh, But it's $3,500. Now, the very first time I went to Israel, uh, I think it was like $1,800. And now $3,500. Everything just keeps getting higher and higher. But it's shocking to me what people's wages are now. I talk to people and... uh, People's wages are so much higher that you kind of lose perspective on how much things cost and how much people make. So, and the pandemic has really affected that too. Yeah, it's really affected that. So maybe $3,500 to you, you might be thinking to yourself, what's that? Man, I spend that on lunch. I, don't know. <laughs> I lose perspective on those things. All right, anybody else? And then we'll be dismissed. I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming out. Um, we told you that this is what we were going to do tonight. And uh, John enjoyed it very much. He had a good time. If you notice, stand up, John. Show him. you. He got a shirt. Uh, he bought that shirt on the boat on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. They were wearing them on the boat, too. So, I mean, he actually looks like a guy on the boat. He's got the right tone, the right color, the right hair. We could, we could, we could job him out as a boat captain on the Sea of Galilee, or, or a camel jockey. Either one, either one. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Thanks so much for coming tonight. Lord, we do thank you that we, as a church, we could invest in John because, Lord, truly, to go to the Holy Land is such an investment for somebody in the ministry and. I pray that you help him to take all that he saw and all that he learned and to weave it into his lessons and his teaching, his preaching throughout his lifetime. Lord, I do pray that you'd be with us as a church. Help us to be wise in all things that we do. Help us to honor you, especially as we go through this Christmas season. Lord, we so want to be a witness for you. Help us to be that prophet that's proclaiming your truth that people will listen to and hear. And Lord, we just so pray that they would take it to their heart. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Thanks for coming out tonight.